What's up, everybody? I'm TJ. And I'm Kelsey. And we are the, the Nashville, Nashville Wine Duo. Duo. Podcast. Yeah, we're back at it again. Another episode. Another one. Yay. This one's going to be fun. I don't yeah. know anything about this world whatsoever. No, I don't either. And I'm excited to dive into it and hear more. Yeah, we have Magnolia Mashburn here. Yes. I said that name just rolls right off the, the seller geek. Yes. The seller geek. Yes. <laughs> yes, and she manages um, private wine collections and sellers. Yes. Right? Yes. Sorry, what Felix. a cool job. I think Felix really likes me. Yeah. Hi, Felix. He always tries to steal the limelight when we're doing podcasts. Every single time. Every I feel time. like we could even just get a, like, a mashup of clips of him like jumping up with the guest. Yeah. It's always like wants every the, time he always does Always wants this. his FaceTime. Yes. Wait, it's actually, funny. let's move your earrings because he'll probably try to swat them off the... Uh, you just put them up, up I'll, here. I'll stick yeah. <laughs> Felix, don't take the earrings. Um, <laughs> well, let's dive in. Like, Why don't you tell us about yourself? You were talking before we got on air that you're... Nashville native, like you're from yes, here, yes. which is really cool. Um, tell us about like you I'm and trying to keep a straight face while Felix licks. My oh elbow. yes, yes. <laughs> uh, no, good. So yeah, tell us about yourself. Tell us about uh, how you got to where you are now. So uh, I did. I grew up in Nashville. Um, moved here when I was like three or four from Hawaii. So I was actually born there. Okay. Um, my mom is a twin. So her identical twin sister was in Nashville. They were all born in Alabama, but my aunt moved to Nashville to get away from Bama and start anew as a hairdresser. And so when we left Hawaii, um, me and my mom went to live with my aunt. So then I was raised by twins, okay. my mom and my, my aunt. Um, and then, yeah, grew up all in Nashville, all the smaller town that it is now <laughs> then it was a lot different i mean broad street was a lot different we used to just tool around as kids on broad street drive around on the weekends and couldn't almost pay me money to go down broad street now wow. I, I don't want any of the traffic with broad street as a local like give me something farther away from downtown yeah. that's where tourists go now yeah that just wasn't the case you know back in the 80s and 90s yeah. wow. <laughs> um i was in the restaurant industry for a really long time and i got out of it and i thought you know i'm getting older i don't want to do the restaurant business anymore it's really hard on my body to be standing up for you know you get doubles and stuff your yeah. people don't understand that if they haven't been in the restaurant industry before it can be really harsh on your body you're standing a lot you're lifting you get home your feet hurt I just, I was kind of over it. So um, I met some people I'd met through the restaurant I worked at to think maybe they'll hire me for their companies. They owned companies. I'm like, I could have like a desk job. That sounds fine. You know, give my feet a rest. And um, one person that I met said that uh, they didn't have anything open, but they did just finish building out a private uh, cellar in their house. And they knew that I was a Psalm and that I worked with wine and I did um, a lot of things with wine. So mm -hmm. they were like, would you be interested in that? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So I did. I went and I set uh, her cellar up. It was completely emptied, built and everything, you know, obviously the wines were in boxes. And I set up the cellar and organization and everything. And it just kind of started from there. Everybody started getting my name. Magnolia does this. And now, you know, eight, nine years later, um, I'm a hundred percent recommendation. Somebody gets my name or email or something from somebody else. And then I get a phone call. So-and-so told me to call you. And so, uh, I don't know. It's just organically grown 
this way. I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't something I was seeking out. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, I definitely have a wine background. Uh, when, before I got to that point, just like, hey, let me set up your cellar. <laughs> right. I took the psalm exam. I worked in restaurants. Um, I worked actually, the last restaurant I worked at was at 360 Bistro in Belmede. Mm-hmm. So I started as a server. I was there for a while. And then I ended as a general manager um, nice. with Nick. And we're still in great communication. Um, Nick and his wife, Ashley, they're fantastic people that own it. And they also own um, Party Fowl. Okay. Oh, well. so yeah. Many people don't know 360 Bistro, but then I say Party Fowl, they're like, I know Party Fowl with the chicken. Yes. Uh, they have that as well. So, um, yeah, that was the last place I worked at. Um, Somming and huge wine list. Obviously, if you've ever been in 360 Bistro, they give you an iPad. It's like a huge wine list. Um, and before that, I worked at a winery in Australia. I worked at Torbreck Winery. Um, so I lived in uh, Barossa Valley for like four months. Wow, I bet that was cool. It was cool. Yeah. All wine that I learned about, self-studied. Yeah. Um, you know, it was back when I worked at restaurants and I thought, how am I going to make more money to pay rent? So I learned that if your ticket price is higher, you make more tips. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, I'm, you know, in my twenties figuring this out and I go, okay, well, alcohol helps ticket sales go higher. So I need to learn about alcohol. Mm -hmm. So um, I went and I bought books and I read and I studied, um, my first book and still probably my staple book is Karen McNeil's The Wine Bible. It's yeah. fantastic. Got it. Mine's all beat up, papers <sighs> in, highlights, notes. It's all messed up. But that was my start. And, you know, at the time that I fell in love with wine was when I barely had money to, like, pay my rent. You know, I'm, like, working all the time, just trying to pay it. As you do when you're younger, you're just trying to get by. And I couldn't afford vacations or to go anywhere. So my vacation was The Wine Bible. I would, I, I read it from front to back. So I read it and it was like, I felt like I was traveling to those places. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reading about Germany and how they have this cottage with smoke coming out the chimney and they're making a, a gamey stew and they're, they're eating that with Riesling. And, you know, I'm just like imagining this whole situation. I save my money up and I go to the store and I buy a wine for the chapter that I'm going to read and um, sit there in my little apartment and I read about the wine and I'm drinking it. And, you know, it was like, it was like my cheap vacation in my mind at the time. And it helped me fall in love with wine, the stories and the history, the countries, the culture. There's so many other things around wine other than just drinking it. Mm. Um, There's so many awesome wine stories of history and scandals. Like people are into Kardashian scandals nowadays. There was like (laughs) Vuclicot scandals back in Champagne, (laughs) France. It's like, you know, it was a different day and age scandal, but things that I found interesting with wine and piqued my interest, made me want to read more, study more. Then I need to figure out what it tasted like. And I need to ask people questions. I couldn't ask the books. So then I started doing tastings in Nashville where winemakers would do them. A lot of them were F. Scott's back in the day when F. Scott's was around in Green Hills. Mm -hmm. And then I got to ask, I got to ask them, Hey, were you doing cold fermentation on this? Did you do stomp downs? Did you do um, pump over? Did you do a press? Um, You know, are you doing steel fermentation? Oh, old. I got to ask all the questions on this winemaker. I can't ask the books that I'm studying. So I got to ask all these questions and I was the weirdo in the room. Like everybody's there to listen and buy the wines that they're drinking. And I was like, I'm using this for studying. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm asking like dorky questions and um, yeah, it slowly became like, okay for me to show up at the tastings because it was like, Oh, it's the girl that asked all the bookie questions. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And that's kind of, I guess, how I started and where I'm at today and why I do what I do today. And I still find interest in history and wine. Wine Wars, I think, is the book. It's a great one. Wine Wars. Yeah. Um, you know, history and wine and and. There's all kinds of things. There's things changing with wine on, you know, countries and old varietals coming up in popularity again. Or people are trying to bring back something that's on the brink of extinction in a mm. wine varietal. You've got clones. You've got technology changing. There's just all these different aspects. I tell anybody, if you if you meet somebody that says they know 100% about wine, tomorrow they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Like it changes <laughs> all true. the time. Yeah. New things are discovered, yep. ancient cellars or, you know, something in Roman times, uh, an urn or um, things in the future. Things are always changing. You've got smoke now. That's a new change. California. Mm -hmm. How are they combating, you know, forest fires and, you know, smoke taint and the technology on that. There's things always changing. And I think that's one of the reasons I fell in love with wine. It's something I could never know 100% about. It's something I could always learn mm. more about. It's something that's ever changing. So you can never really get bored with it. Yeah. In my book, at least. Maybe some other people do that's get true. bored, but I don't. I think that's exactly why we fell in love with it, too. A lot of those same things you're saying. And also, we love, like, the communal aspect of it mm -hmm. and how it brings people together. And that, you know, in a way, like, it's for everybody. You know? Like, wine is for everybody. And we kind of like want to break that misconception that like, you know, you like you have to know everything about it in order, in order to drink it. And um, but like what you're saying, then there are all the people that you can dive all the way in and learn so much stuff. And it's dive. so interesting. <laughs> and and I love the historical thing that you're saying. Like, it's so cool when you when you learn the stories behind the wine, it brings the wine to life yeah. more. Mm -hmm. um, so. I just, I agree totally with everything that you said. Like, you got cool, like, family trees, too, with wine. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you yeah. go in an old world and a Bordeaux house. You go back to, like, the baron that he was, like, a mayor and then he got a title and then he bought this land. And yeah. it's like, you know, you're looking at, to me, your imagination would be looking at, like, an old movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're looking at the history of, of somebody being appointed a title back then, like, in castle times. Wow. Like, you're just like, oh, my gosh, it goes back. Or you think about wines and monk times mm -hmm. i mean you just like you can imagine it and, and then you go how do we get from there to here mm -hmm. you know it's really crazy to think about it's i don't know nobody probably would watch that movie but it's <laughs> <laughs> in my mind it's a pretty good movie <laughs> yeah i love your imagination too i love what you said about how you were reading and you just took you to those places like and I think your imagination is really what's kind of kept you going, too, with all of this, which is really cool. It's, you know, it's a, a story. I feel like wines say stories. Every wine you pick up, you know, you've got a story of a winemaker. Where did that winemaker start out? Mm -hmm. You've got wines now that you have a winemaker that's like, say, Chateau Palmer, huge winery. But he's got some side project that he's doing. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're like, so you're drinking wine. It's like, wow, this is a guy that's actually making the $350 bottles he can get. But I'm getting like some of his work for like $30 right? or something. You're like, yep. that's really cool. Or wow. Artists too. The labels now are changing, you yep. know, art, artistry and street art. And um, you've got old world stuff coming back, you know, pet gnats. Mm -hmm. You know, that's your original way of making champagne. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know something in the 80s clothes coming back around, but it's yeah. with wine. It's right. something that was old and now it's like the new cool kid. Yep. And bright colors and and 
bright labels. It's uh, yeah, it's all really interesting. <laughs> it really is crazy. All right, I'm dying to try this wine. Yeah, I know. Me too. Okay, well, tell us about the wine that you brought. Um, so this is one I actually acquired from a private collection. Um, uh, one of the sellers I, I was with, and he had a full wooden case of it. And he wasn't interested in it. I was like, I will gladly take it off your hands. <laughs> 2009, I'll take it. I'll gamble with it. And um, it's a lesser known, obviously, Bordeaux. So you could probably originally have gotten this for around 20 bucks, 2025. I think it solidly drinks like a $50 bottle right now. It's perfect, perfect to drink. 09s were fantastic vintage um, in Bordeaux. So were 2010s and 05s and lots of other vintages. But 09 is one of them. And I have it a little bit cooler, cooler temperature in the glass, so it's mm -hmm. drinking very smoothly. I would categorize this even as like a porch pounder. Mm -hmm. Like you could be by the pool and just pound this and it'll be really? gone before you know it. It's not drinking like a high alcohol. It's very smooth. Yeah, even the smell, it's like you get that that fruit, but it's like it's not like overpowering mm -hmm. in your, your palate. Yeah, it smells really good. Mm. Oh, wow. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Porch That's powder. fantastic. <laughs> it's drinking so well right now. It's, it's great. The, the acidity is balanced on it. It mm -hmm. bites you in your cheeks a little bit. Um, that kind of bite into a raspberry seed yeah. kind of tartness. Um, but it's it's lovely. Long finish. Long finish. That's yeah. It's not short and I stubby. Love the finish. Yeah. It's not too tannic. It's, um, I like it a little bit cooled. Like yeah. a cellar temp, so that's why I brought it. Oh man, oh, y'all well don't balanced. know this, but I brought it with a with a sleeve on it to mm -hmm. keep it cold, and you can still feel it's still cold from my cellar. But yeah, this is delicious. Love it. Okay, so here are all the questions that they're going to start coming at you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have so many. All right, so somebody comes to you and they're like, "I want you to manage my cellar. I want mm -hmm. you to put it together." Mm -hmm. When you were first starting out, what what did that mean? What did that look like? How did you start? creating that seller so majority of my clients have a collection already mm -hmm. i like to explain it like a messy junk room that you have you've collected stuff you shoved it in a room you forgot about it it's gotten unruly i come in i organize that so, so they just decide at this point in, in their life i want to organize this i want to either build a seller or create a space for all this Chaos. Different ones. Sometimes yeah. you don't have a seller. I can um, advise on do's and don'ts for building a seller and advise for someone to come in and build it. Some some people that I, I trust on mm -hmm. their work, um, you know, give advice on that. But most of the times the seller, some kind of situation is present already. Um, a seller, racks, whatever. And I come in and I adjust. Okay, well, you know, these racks were never attached to the studs in the wall. Like this is a huge <laughs> issue. You could have your whole racks fall down, things like that. Or, um, you know, you need to have a, a, something to clean the air in here. It's a little bit moldy and dusty. I can give recommendations on how to maintain the collection that you have. I'll go in and clean the bottles, reorganize them, set up a system. Also majority of the time my sellers don't have a current evaluation and that's deathly important in my eyes because you want insurance coverage yeah so and a lot of my sellers they don't even think about it they started out as something like you're collecting baseball cards yeah. or it's cool and it's something to drink and they don't think in the terms of it's an investment mm. you know they've been buying this stuff for years and they don't think stop to think it's upped in value 
it's not going to depreciate. It's probably going. To- <laughs> I say all the time, if you buy wine properly, it's more it's more stable than the stock it's market. It's an investment, yeah, for sure. It is an investment, absolutely. It will go up. The curve is going up if you buy properly. You know, which is the high end wines. You're buying a lot. You're buying high to make high. Like I mean, it is what it is. It's hard to find the gems. It's hard to get the twenty dollar bottle that in ten years is going to be three thousand. Like that's a tough. That's a tough ask. Yeah. You know, usually you're buying high to make high. Um, like how high? Um, you're going to be going for at least a hundred a bottle. Okay. Yeah, you can find some that are stepping into it at a hundred, and then you may be able to hit the gold and it be around three hundred, three fifty in like five, ten years. So you know you can buy with that, but you're never going to end up really hitting a twenty or thirty dollar bottle and that be worth like three hundred dollars in five years. Right. You're never really going to get that curve, but you may get something that's a new winery that's starting up and you see the potential in it. That's what I was going to And they're say. starting out like $100 bottles. And then you hit a Robert Parker 100 on there like two years later. Then they have a then they have a, a foundation. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at five, you know, seven years later, they're throwing 350 on the bottles. So you can have that. And also, if you get in early on that, it's like a lot of things getting in early. You have the originals. Mm. So then those even go up more because they're like, whoa, that's the winery's first release. Yeah. Or you get things that are different. Like uh, there's Loire wine right now that is super expensive because Madame Loire passed away. Mm. So any wines that she personally put her hand on, you're never going to be getting new stuff. It's only the old stuff. It's only what's happened. 2004 is very collectible because that's the year that she declassified her wines. So there's little things like that, almost like insider tips, like stock market that can right. help you buy properly um, to be able to get a good investment in return on it. But um, usually if you get like, you can get a good solid investment if you go into futures, um, Bordeaux futures, if anybody's aware of what those are. I like to say you're basically, you're buying the wine while it's still grapes on the vine. Right. And you're betting on the fact that you're looking at the weather forecast that year. You're betting on there wasn't a late frost. You're you're hedging your bets on the facts of the of the weather that year to be like, is this a good year to invest in? The grapes are still on the vines. You don't know what rating it's going to be. You don't know what the wine is going to taste like. You don't know if there's going to be know a what forest the fire. Be. <laughs> you don't know. You're betting. You're yeah. trying to see at what level can I invest in this future while it's still grapes on the vine close enough on going, okay, I think I've seen the whole weather situation this year. I think I'm good. And then I'll invest. And then you're buying the wines in early before their wines. So the winery gets the income to be able to keep their doors open, first of all. So that's a a plus for them to get the money before the wines are even made. And then you're getting it cheaper than when it's going to be with a bottle because you're getting it before Parker throws a hundred on there. Mm -hmm. You're getting it because that's a big, a big give. A lot of people say, well, I don't like to rely on ratings and everything for buying i'm not saying to do that at all but you can't ignore the fact that it does affect the price totally it does parker he has a big name to carry and if parker drops 100 on it i mean it's going to go up in value the the winery is going to charge more for it it got a 99 or 100 they're going to charge more for it. it's just what it is so if you can buy the wines before the rating hits you're probably going to get a discount because it's before they jack the price up because they got 100 on it. right yeah, but it's all things. It's like the stock market. You got to watch it all the time. It's a gamble. Yeah, it's a gamble. It's a you got to watch gamble. it. Watch the weather. Watch who's moving, who's selling, who's bought out a wine. There's a lot of moving parts with it um, to be able to make a good investment with it. So, is there like a network of people that you like talk to, or like how do you like where wine you- news? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know if like because obviously you. I mean, all of your knowledge over the years is how you know about a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you just yeah you just stay up and watch like wine news like are there like websites or like I don't know <laughs> I guess uh there probably is mine's like I guess more of an ear to the ground approach yeah okay um I get emails obviously I get a Karen McNeil email you get the chatter online mm. somebody may post um you're reading articles um, there's all kinds of things now because we're in the day and age of social media. Mm-hmm. So there's news coming at me in all different kind of ways. You could probably get some kind of newsletter, but like any news now, you don't want to f- focus just on one or just the main news source. You want to get off off the beaten path sources okay. because mm-hmm. that's when you get the the real truth. Yeah, sort of, <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> or the get, inside, you know. Inside. And also, it's like you're living in this in this world, so that's how you know you're learning about all this all the time. And you know, it's not. Wine news isn't stuff that hits on, like, you know, NBC on TV. Uh-huh. Like that oh, stuff yeah, doesn't yeah, hit. Yeah. 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 Right. So, you know, in order for you to know maybe there's a late frost in Burgundy, right. you're going to keep an eye on wineries out there. And all of a sudden, when they start posting pictures of little fires in their vineyards, right. you know that there's frost and they are stressing out because the winemakers and, and everybody associated with wineries out there just trying to keep the berries warm so they don't freeze. Please don't freeze, guys. Right. And it's a beautiful site. You have a giant vineyard and little fires all throughout the vineyard, the wines. Um, but the people who own that winery are freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's beautiful, but also it's like, oh, I'm freaking out. Yeah. yeah. I talked to Damien recently with Leoville Barton. I did an event, um, attended an event with National Wine Auction, and he was the hostess uh, this year. And I was talking to him about that. And he said, yes, it might look beautiful on pictures, but we are free. We are wow. <laughs> highly stressed during that time period because you could just be losing, like, your crop, basically. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Okay, so... How do you organize a cellar as far as what's in there? How do you make sense of it all? And what's what's your rhyme and reason on how you so take care of that? It originates with the owner. So I'm doing it to your liking. What do you like? How do you like to go in and look at your stuff? If you have, I have somebody that has a ton of books, a friend of mine, and she likes to categorize hers by color. So you go in the house and it's like a rainbow wall of mm. bookshelves. Now somebody else may come in and go, and they're cookbooks mainly. Somebody else might come in and go, okay, I don't like that. I want everything baking together. I want everything mm. roasting together. I like, you know, icing, decorative, uh, appetizers. I want it categorized a different way because that's how I want to look through the books. Mm. It's the same thing with wine. So you people wanting their wine organized in different ways, and I do it how they want because it's, it's their property. It's their home. It's their collection. I'll do it how they want to do it. I can suggest and, you know, give guidance. But at the end of the day, it's theirs. I'm doing it to their liking. Gotcha. So somebody may want it by country. Somebody may want it by varietal. Mm-hmm. Somebody may want it by ratings, ready to drinks. Um, you know, you want everything ready to drink now in one section. I have a seller that's like that. His entire seller is done by ready to drinks. Um, so anything that's not ready for like 10 years, there are boxes in the back. Like he's not even touching those. Um, I have other ones that do it by semi-region and varietal. So like all your champagnes together, all your whites are together, but they're split up. You know, your Rieslings are together, your um, California and non-European Chardonnays are together, your white Burgundies are together. They're paired in that aspect. Um, reds, the same way you have all your Bordeaux together, your Burgundies together. Those are like, you know cousins so Mm -hmm. that's france stayed together um you know sorted that way but 
they do it in all kinds of different ways. But yeah. It's how the it's how the owner wants to. So sell you're listening it. to the customer basically. Mm-hmm. How do you organize yours? I don't organize mine. Yeah, <laughs> mine's a save section. There's a anybody who comes over, I don't mind opening it section. <laughs> <laughs> I have like uh, I've I have two wine fridges, yep. so there's drawers. So one of my drawers I just looked at before I grabbed this is my. Uh, I went to an Australian wine tasting shelf is like is what's on there. Mm-hmm. I have some um, sparkling that I bought from there, some tawnies from Sepplesfield, which I love because I used to visit Sepplesfield all the time when I lived there. Um, you know, so all that stuff is from that tasting. So yeah. they're yeah. not split up. They're all like, I know I bought those at that tasting and I love these. So it's mine's all kind of hodgepodge together. Do you have a do not touch section? Do not touch the... Uh... <laughs> I think I know the one. Okay. <laughs> I have a, a 1955. Uh, it's a Mouton Rothschild, a half bottle, and it has it still has a stamp on it from the voyage it was on. Oh my god! Um, from a ship, so that's a don't touch. That's <laughs> just wild. In there. Yeah. I think I imagine it like the Titanic. That yeah. It was like this bottle that was on the Titanic, and I got it like in an auction, and so I don't touch that one. But it's not in a special place. It's just like. It's in a regular spot, so yeah. I can look at it and then just go, I'm not drinking that yet. So That's would it. you ever one day drink it or you're just like... I think so. I'll open it up one day. I'm, you know, I try to live by the way my mom used to say in the house. Like nothing is ever like a no touch, don't open. Mm. Like mm. you buy, you buy to use. Okay. You don't buy to museum. So I don't want to say nothing in my cellar I wouldn't open up because I would. It's just some things maybe I'll write the right circumstance yeah yeah you know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. i'd knows? always be worried that like somebody comes to you know watch your house and you leave for the weekend and they're like oh this looks like a great bottle to drink and then oh you come gosh. home it's like what <laughs> no, <laughs> no yeah yeah no we have somebody who stays in our house and watches our pup when we're out of town yeah but she drinks like non-alcoholic. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not sick. worried you're about good, it then. she's yeah, like sweet sick. tea only so i'm not <laughs> in a risk at all oh man so the that question I had was, um, does your husband like wine as much as you do? Mm-hmm. And um, what does he think about all this, like the, wor- the world of it? Is he isn't nerdy into it as you are or? No and no. Okay. He's, <laughs> he's not into wine. He's not even a big drinker, really. Okay. When we first met, definitely more of a scotch, uh, dark beer kind of guy. Um, when we first met, because we've been together for since 11 years now. Okay. Um, I remember we were dating. I go to his house. He had this little countertop wine rack, you know, holds like six bottles. And it was like barefoots were in there. Oh. <laughs> like the blush barefoot. So no. I was like, oh, sweetheart, we got to work on this. Like, this is not <laughs> maybe for your average lady, but uh, I'm not like, average. This is not working for me. <laughs> You're going to do something about this. <laughs> this can go in like a punch, maybe. But oh, uh, yeah, we're going to, this is going to change. Fast forward to 11 years later, I mean, tons of wine in the house and racks and did a renovation and two big wine refrigerators and mm-hmm. way different from 11 years ago, a little, a little six bottle rack on the kitchen counter. Um, he doesn't drink a lot now. Like he probably drank more, you know, some years ago. If he does drink, it's like give him a really dark stout beer, a Guinness, a barrel aged beer he, he may have with a meal or um, a scotch, uh, Johnny Walker Black is like, if he goes out to a meal, like a steakhouse or something, he'll order like one, 
not a big drinker. If he does drink wine, he only likes the sticky ickies. So he likes, that's what I call them, the like sticky sweet. ickies. Yeah. Yeah. So sticky ickies. So sticky icky isn't just a Riesling. You're going to be looking at the Spot Lisa, Beer Nosh Lisa, Troc and Beer Nosh Lisa, Ice Vine, like stickies. Get yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, Sauterns, that would be a sticky yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, ports, not a sticky, but he loves ports because uh, we also, we both smoke cigars. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's how we met. Yeah. So port obviously goes fantastic with a cigar. Mm. So he loves that. Um, actually, I gifted him a birth year uh, port for one of his birthdays. He's like freaked out about. That is so cool. <laughs> I love that. We traveled somewhere for his birthday that year. I was like, how am I going to give him this birthday gift? And so I packed it so I could give it to him while we on vacation. And then, like, he wasn't going to open on the vacation. So then I repacked it and flew it back. <laughs> it's <back home. laughs> such a weird, like, logistics for a gift. But we still have it. He's waiting for, like, a big milestone birthday to open it up. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he likes the sticky icky. So I do. I told him. I said, if. You like the stickies, you're only going to get good stickies. Like, yes. If you're now with me, you're only going to get the good stickies. So I definitely have a Riesling sticky section that's his. Yeah. That is, if we open something up and he does, he'll taste it and be like, oh my goodness, this is, he'll smack his lips. He's like, oh, this is good. Oh, it's like candy in a glass. He loves it. Wow. I'll come back from events before with like partial bottles, maybe wasn't finished off on something I did. And, and I'm going to say this, and you're going to be, like, rolling your eyes. But, like, I brought back a bottle of Ekim. Like, it was, like, a 1985 Chateau Ekim. It's quite pricey. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I have some Ekim for you. He doesn't know. He's like, oh, okay, what is it? Is this something I would like? I'm like, you would like this. So then I pour it, and he was like, wow, this is good stuff. <laughs> he tastes it. And he just sips on it. He's like, mm, he'll smack his lips. I go, how much does this set me back? And I'll tell him, he go, it's, uh, yeah, okay, take the glass back. I'm it's too much. Oh my gosh. So how does that affect you enjoying wine with him not drinking wine? Are you having a Corvin or are you? I do have a Corvin at oh, yeah. home. Um, I have a great decanter that helps store wines okay. that um, he got it for me. It's like air filled and then it has a rubber lip and it drops in. It's a cylinder decanter. So it mm -hmm. seals it. So I can cap that and put in the fridge so I can keep a, a red wine up to like a week. What? Solid okay, we need to know about that. that. Yeah, I'll send you a picture on it. Yeah. We, we got really Amazon don't or something. need this though because we finished our box. <laughs> That's what, what two people. She jumped on that very it, quickly though. She makes it. She always <laughs> thinks this, but then she's the first one to finish the bottle. So I hey. love you. I love you, but Aww. I'm saying for one person, it's it might be difficult for to finish a bottle. <laughs> maybe I'm just curious about it. Oh, maybe. maybe I'll I send just, you a curious photo. Yeah, maybe I just <laughs> want to try something new out. <laughs> try not finishing a bottle. Yeah, well, you know, in case maybe we open two bottles and then... Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. It is cool. So I do have the Corvin. Yeah. Um, a new gadget I got that I love is the Champagne Corvin. Oh. And that is like game changer because nice. I have so many champagne bottles and I never open them because mm. who? How are you ever going to finish? Even with the caps that that are good, right. last year what a week. Yeah, I'm never finishing a champagne bottle on my own. So they came out with a champagne core. It is the bomb. Wow. Yes, I have made a bottle last I think two months in my fridge. Two months. Yeah. So you open the bottle and then it has a cap that you push down and cap on. And it's so easy. It's a handheld with a gauge on it. You stick it on the top of the cap and it turns green when it's ready. And it fills it up with the argon gas. And then you stick it in your fridge. 
That's I guess I mean, it's, even, like, it's amazing. It's crazy. That's it's amazing. Awesome. I use it all the time. I have I have a bottle of Greek rose sparkly in my fridge right now that I've had in there for like a month that I corvened. And I'll probably open it up in a couple of days yeah. and finish it off. But yeah, it, that's been a game changer. Corvin's fantastic. Um, you know, the decanter to hold on. Usually, though, I'll open up when somebody comes over, mm-hmm. open something up. My best friend's about to move like four houses down from me. So, oh, party time. <laughs> Look <laughs> out, Murphy's All those bottles. 100%. <laughs> I have a good walking neighborhood. Like, y'all are in a good walking neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, we've already talked about, hey, when you move in, we're going to just have like wine walks. <laughs> wine walks. Wine walks. Are the best. Walk around the neighborhood with a glass of wine they and just chit chat. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love that. You know, that's a good idea for a real. A wine walk? <laughs> you know, we just, yeah, we get <laughs> yes. wine tonight. We set up a tripod and we're like just. Wine walks. I love that. Wine walks are great. Yeah. Especially if you know your neighbors. So then they all don't peer out the window. Like, what is she doing? Yeah. So Mm. I know like our neighbors. So they would probably just laugh. I know. Our neighbors like, no, we drink because we sit out front a lot. That's like our favorite thing, especially in the fall. We just like to sit out there and he smokes cigars. You're a porch sitter. Yeah. Yeah. We like to sit out. We just, you know, there's so many people walk by. We've done some crazy stuff outside recording wise for for yeah. social media. You, so they take, always are, you, should, you had to end that sentence because you start with we do some crazy stuff outside. Yeah. Pause for a yeah. minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, we put, we had a wine. We did a water a water fight once where a we water gun I mean, fight it was, it was bad wine. wine. It, it was, was bad not good wine. wine. Yeah. We filled the we filled like guns, like squirt guns, guns yeah. with wine and then we like shot each other. We There's were, somebody on Instagram that's called like garbage wines or something I follow. Yeah. He drinks the worst wines like ever. <laughs> so, their meals are so funny because he'll drink so well, like I'm hopeful about this one. You're looking at it, you're like I'm not, oh. and then he'll taste it, and then he'll like make a terrible face, and the reel will just cut. And it's oh, like, that's hilarious! That's really funny. I, I randomly, yeah, I'll send it to his random like reels of this guy drinking just the worst wines yes. ever, and making a terrible face, and then it just cuts at that. There's like no, there's no, no conclusion. Yeah, yeah. you're it's like, just it's an just initial bad. face. <laughs> He's not going to say anything bad. It's just no, gonna cut. but that's what's funny, so funny when we do this kind of stuff. We we also like every year when it snows, we will open up a bad bottle of wine and we'll put it in the air and like let it fall. That's so cool. And people love it. They love it because it hits the snow. But every time we do it, we get so many comments that are like, "Why are you wasting wine? What are you doing with the wine? I can't believe you're doing this." And we're like. It's bad. <laughs> we would never drink this. So, because, you know, we never, like, disclose things. But, you know, so we have been sent some wines that are bad. Sure. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Like, shh. Yeah. No. But um, it's it's just something fun. Yeah. But I don't know. You got to have fun, fun with it. That sounds yeah, fun. Yeah. It is fun. I have some Rieslings you could put in a gun and shoot at. Yeah, right? Yeah. I got it from a, a seller, and they're just, like, way past prime. Yeah. They're not tasting yeah, well anymore. Not, mm-hmm. I cracked one open. I was like, these are so far past prime. They're not even like drinkable anymore. Oh yeah. I was gonna say, how do you like? How do you kind of know when you should open it? Like when you know, like this when you were like, you just know the year was really good, and that's why you're like, um, yes. Okay. So uh, experience. So right now, like O fives, O nines, and tens are drinking great. They're in their drinking window, so you just kind of like, know that the vintage that that it's in the drinking window you taste them i know that sounds like a terrible thing to say like who's just tasting vintage wines just going all the time no one okay it's time to drink now i'm tasting it um that's probably rare for me to be doing that yeah. but um i hear that i hear from my sellers and my clients and whatnot man i had an 05 the other night singing in the glass definitely peaking right now 
you know, you're hearing those feedbacks. You have reviews that give you a drinking window. So that's a good tell sign. Anybody could do Google it. You know, you Google wine searcher and put in your bottle and it has a drinking window. Mm -hmm. Robert Parker, wine advocate, they give you a drinking window and take that with a grain of salt. You know, you look at a Bordeaux, that's a big boy. It's going to have a big drinking window. It's going to be like 2030 to 2075. Oh, wow. You know, you're like, you look at that window, you're like, okay, who's going to be alive in 2075 to be drinking this? But with that window, you can go, if I hit the top of it, I'm putting my toe in the window, still going to be drinking very young. So you want like maybe a little five years into that window. So you start giving the range on when to maybe tap into it. And it's also personal preference. Mm -hmm. It's also personal preference. Some people like to drink wines young. Mm -hmm. Right. Some people like the high tannin, the sharpness. Some people don't like drinking old. Right. Some people drink an aged wine and they go, that's just not for me. I don't like an aged wine. Um, So it is a bit of a throw in the personal preference in there as well. And some wines don't age. But then they can go too far is what you're saying. Absolutely. They can be over the hill. And then they're not good. They're flat. They're flat. They're sad in the glass. They don't. Like in this wine, you get the the berry flavors are bright and it hits you. You dull those out to more of a stewed or just sad pudding in the class. You're just like, oh, it's seen better days. It's seen better days. You know, it's like it's it's got a walker on the side of the road right now. Like it's like limping along. You know, it's past its prime. You've got bottles that are sleepers as well. You drink a bottle of wine, you go, ooh, this is sleeping right now. Mm. Um, that's rare for people to come across that, but it's when a wine tastes like everything's muted in it, mm. all the flavor profiles are muted. It's just like, is there any wine in this glass? It's so muted. You can't tell. Yeah. You can't tell. It's not over the hill. And you know that because you look at all the facts, you look at the vintage, you look at the winery, you go, there's no way it's over the hill. Mm-hmm. It's right in the middle of this drinking window, but it's what's called sleeping and it's just muted down. And then you just know, wait about a year or two. And then it's going to be like, Busting out the gate awesome when it comes out of that sleeping phase. And it's going to be just like beaming in the middle of the tasting window. But this is wild. Like, how does all this like just happen just sitting in a bottle? Like, how does that all happen? It's like a whole war going on. I I just think that's just like insane. Like, how does that happen? Have you Corvin that to find that out? Uh, Sleepers sleeper yeah. so rare to come across. It's a rare gym. Well, how would you, you taste wait a year? A sleeper. How would you? Because you you're you're not opening that and then saying. Wait Ideally, a year. in that case, you've bought a case or a six pack. You have other bottles. Yeah. So Ideally, you're in a cellar. Is a sleeper. Yeah. Ideally, gotcha. you purchase multiples of that that vintage. They're uh, in your okay. cellar. You cracked one open. You go this puppy. This it's puppy's sleeping. Ready. Yeah. Okay. And then you tag the rest of your bottles in your cellar. Going, this is sleeping right now. So you put it back to bed and let yeah. it nap. Let it take a little snooze. Yeah. I'll come back to it a year or two gotcha. and see if it's popped gotcha. out of its hibernation stage. Okay. But you're is a cellar owner and that collection owner. You're over here in the corner going, <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. <laughs> I just know you look at all the facts, you know, the winery, you know, what they yeah. taste and peak and you just go, oh man, this is going to be a juicy, awesome gym when it pops out of the stage and you just get like really excited. So, wow. but it's rare to come across tasting a sleeper. It's not like everybody knows what a sleeper tastes like. It does come once in, you know, a while. Same thing as getting a corked bottle. I was just going to say, it's almost like a corked bottle. Corked, mm-hmm. oxidized, a flawed yeah. bottle. Mm-hmm. I love those. I love those because. Really? Yes, because you. It's a rememorize. It's something you don't come across often. So it's mm-hmm. something, if I have a cork bottle, I'm not like, oh, it's cork, dump it out. I'm like, keep this puppy over here. I'm going to sniff it in like 30 minutes because you want to like program your brain on what it smells like. Mm. Pick up the notes like it's just 
burned in your retina because it doesn't come across often. So for you to be able to recognize a, a flawed bottle, if you ever come across them, you got to like retrain your brain it's so you can pick it up. educational piece. Yeah, you want to keep it because you don't come across them right. often. You want to yeah. definitely remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has been so cool. Oh my gosh, it's been <laughs> so cool. Well, and I got to say, I just like love your personality. I think you like – you just exude like kindness and um, trustworthy, which is like, I can see why people would really like love to work with you and like entrust you with something that is very important because not only do you really care about it, but like you just are somebody that I, I would immediately trust with something like this, something that was this big, you know? And um, I don't know. And all you're like geeking out about wine. It's just so fun. <laughs> I, like, she's the seller geek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Normally yeah. when I show up in people's houses, I'm not, dressed up nice i'm in sweatpants and you know the whole nine yards depends on the level i'm doing in the cellar i might i have different levels of sweatpants that i wear for sellers <laughs> <laughs> so i have like super thick sweatpants that are like i'm doing inventory i'm going to be sitting on the tile floor a lot that day yeah that cold creeps in fast a 55 degree room it shoots right through your bones yeah so that's like super thick sweatpants day or even leggings, like the uh, snow machine leggings, like undergarment, under the super thick sweatpants. Yeah. And then I have thinner ones. If I'm moving cases and moving around, I'm getting hot. I yeah. definitely get hot in cellars. Yeah. 55 degrees, I get. I work up a sweat because I'm like squatting, lifting, yep. moving things. If I'm doing a lot of movement in the cellar, I'm wearing a thinner sweatpant. Um, if I know that the homeowner's in the home, maybe they have an office in it or something, um, I'm eared up. So I have my headphones on, my, my Bose headphones, like these cuff and noise cancellation. I do not, I mean, not to say anybody checks on me, but I, I don't listen to home conversations. That's another thing. You're in somebody's home. So I'm not listening to anything that's going on in your home. Mm -hmm. I have headphones on. I have, I'm bundled up. I'm, I'm center focused on the seller. Mm -hmm. I'm not paying attention to any calls you're making upstairs or, you know, next door to me or anything like that. I'm not talking to you. I've been scared a lot in cellars because of that. I've been in there with headphones, jamming, just like <laughs> doing wines. And then I don't hear the door open behind me, you know, and the homeowner's there and they come up. I have one that scares me a lot. And he always does it. It's like, I'm not trying to. He'll like reach out and tap. <laughs> and then I'll go, ah! <laughs> He's like, I swear, I'm not trying to scare you. And I'll go, just click the lights on and off and I'll know somebody's in the room. But oh my God. I always, I'm, I'm so like zoned out and. I have some sellers that like my music choices, so I've definitely had sellers before that's like, bring your Bluetooth speaker and crank it up in the morning, and like 70s, you know, music, like let's jam out, you know, or something, and they love it, so they'll like be like jam out too, and there's, you know, you're in somebody's home, their private property, there's different levels of how you deal with people. Mm. Some people want to be more private. They need to be very quiet. They're doing business in there. Sometimes, a lot of times, I'm in homes alone. Nobody's there. Right. I have the key, the code. I go in when they're out of town or something. There, Nobody's there. I have a lot of animals in homes. A lot of dogs that love me. I go in their homes. they like, oh, my God, she's here. She's here. They get really excited. I make sure and always bring a bag of doggy bones with me whenever I go to a like any house, even a new house. I don't know if they have an animal. I had one that I went to a house and I didn't know they had a dog and it was like very barked a lot. But then I quickly trained that dog not to bark because I had doggy bows in my pockets. So anytime the dog saw me, I'm like, mm, now if you sit down, you a good puppy. You get a little doggy bone. And then it, it noticed every time I came upstairs from the cellar, it just sat down and it was waiting for a doggy bone. It never barked at me again. <laughs> 
you know, and then in turn, the homeowner loves you more because my dog loves you. Right. Mm -hmm. If my animal loves you, I love you. Yep. And I'm not saying it's all doggy bone related, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe some good. I love animals, but uh, yeah. yeah. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So tell people where they can find you on social media. Um, the Seller Geek on Instagram. I have Seller Geek on Facebook as well and a web page. Um, Instagram's probably the go-to. You do stories and stuff and it's yeah. linked on my Facebook. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of lives that I've done on there and interviews with other people. I think probably the biggest one's probably with the millennial Psalm. Oh, she yeah. seems to have like a ton of followers. Yeah. <laughs> Isis is really cool to talk to and, um, you know, some others that I've done on there. So they're listed on there so you can hear all these answers to the questions all over again and different questions and answers. Mm. And, uh, yeah, if anybody has any questions about wine, I always say, Open door, ask me, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think one of my common ones are what wines can I get at Aldi's? You know, what's a $10 mm -hmm. and under? How do I get those? And yeah. I always give tips on things to be able to look at the label, to be able to get a good purchase. Mm -hmm. You don't have to buy. I understand what I do is obviously high end. I mean, in the upper echelon as far as wine collectors go and buyers. But don't feel like that's it. That's not the average. Mm -hmm. The average buyer and drinker is you, the people mm -hmm. listening, the mom staying at home yep. that just wants like a quiet moment while her kid's down on a nap and they just want to like pound something in yep. the dark in a corner with some Cheez-Its. Yeah. Like they just want to like get it done. <laughs> like that's your average purchaser yeah. of wine. Mm -hmm. People don't get that. They think, oh, they look at the wine world and they think there's only this wine tastings mm -hmm. and caviar mm -hmm. and extravagant and sellers and that's not the average right. the majority wine purchases are the people who are by the pool drinking enjoying with friends mother somebody who's had a hard day at work and coming home for a glass of wine and also you know the working class people are looking for quite frankly typically twenty dollars and under bottle mm -hmm. right. usually now in today's economy let's look at ten dollars and under mm -hmm. you know they're looking like a solid eight dollar bottle 8.99 they'll grab all day long and i try to let people know that there's plenty of great wines in that range that aren't the ones you're grabbing mm -hmm. people tend to drink the same thing and grab the same thing mm -hmm. they get intimidated they go in the store they go ah oh, there's so many options and i don't want to question like ask somebody because maybe i'm not doing a good question and um, it's there's so many cool things to get that are lower priced. You got to get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Go to like the Greek section or the alternate country section because a lot of times people don't realize they can get great value wines that are cheaper because they're less of an exported wine mm -hmm. or they don't have the spotlight on them. And it's not saying that winemakers not still making great juice. It's just lower value. Mm -hmm. You got South African wines were like really high priced. Then, you know, Africa did this thing and they like started murdering people and having wars. And so they stopped exporting the South African wines for a while. Mm -hmm. The South African people still kept making great wines. Once their port opened back up, the craze was over with. They still had to sell their wines. So now they had these amazingly made wines and they had to sell them cheaper because mm -hmm. they had a high surplus. Yep. So things like that, you go outside of your comfort zone of just some $8 California red, not saying that's not a bad choice, mm -hmm. but look at the other stuff in the yep. in the store and it's like great buys and drinks. Yep. And there's some great wines and cans now. It's like super cool and in. You're dropping like $2.50 for like, or $3 for honestly two glasses of wine in a can. Mm -hmm. Great prices out there. Yeah. Yeah. We tell people a lot. I mean- so, for instance, there's a one called Mbali from Trader Joe's that's a South African 
uh, white. It's Viognier mm. and Chenin Blanc, mm. and it is it's five ninety nine, and it is a killer wine. I mean, it's amazing. So, like what you were just saying, but we that's a lot of what we tried to do too, and we felt like from the start we got a lot of that feedback of like they appreciate people appreciated that we were like saying the average drinker absolutely you can enjoy really good wine if you you don't always have to have to buy the $50 bottle mm-hmm. in you can find wine out there and i think what you're saying in particular about like don't al- like look outside the box like don't always try to drink the same thing absolutely. like take a risk like look at another country look at another place mm-hmm. um you know I, I think that that and most people buy to consume mm-hmm. i'm obviously in the business of buying to invest and save and seller but that's not the majority mm-hmm. purchaser of wine. Mm-hmm. Most people purchase wine is for consumption. Yep. They're drinking it. Also, uh, medication. They're trying to get through their day. Yep. A tough work week. And uh, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with no. that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's healthy. It's just fermented yeah. grapes. That's all it is. Yeah. Right. Some grapes have been left around for a while and it's put, put in a bottle. It's fine. It's totally organic. It's, fine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's better than a pharmaceutical drug. This is good for you. Right? There's, yes. I think mean, there's some kind of vitamins in it. Maybe they should start and putting and like oxidants, right? nutrition on the back. Yeah. I think it's uh, like basically a vitamin, but liquid form. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we agree. <laughs> well, thank I you agree. so much for this today, Magnolia. You've been awesome to talk to. And yeah, it's just been so fun. Yeah. So thank you for having me on. Let's cheers it out, y'all. Yeah, I'm going to need more wine. Cheers. 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 <laughs>